I think the, the, the world kind of can relate with this shock of Kobe and the rest of the, you know, the passengers where everyone just shakes their head and they're like, he was just here. Like, he just tweeted that. He just called me. And it's like, shock loss is undescribably different than any other loss. Because there's no preparation. you can't process. It doesn't seem, I mean, we, we obviously watch movies and people die all the time. And it's like, it's you're, you're numb to that. But when it's real and you're like, that person's gone in a moment. Yeah. Um, so shock for that was like, I mean, it's still heavy. It's still, it's still not real. Hey, this is Julia Stern and you're listening to Not My Best. The podcast that reminds you it's okay not to perform at your best 100% of the time. When we shift the focus to become a little bit better instead of trying to be at our best all the time, we'll accomplish a lot more and we'll have way more fun doing it. Let's get into it. Not My Best Podcast, episode number 10. I cannot believe that we are at double digits already. I feel like I just started this project and it's been so much fun and I'm really, 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 I know I say this every week, but I'm really excited for today's guest. It was the first person that I wanted to talk to on this show, but the timing just didn't work out and I was finally able to basically tie my husband down to a chair to have a conversation with me. You may know Andy Stern from Rumble. The two of us work there together, um, but we are talking everything today from our relationship, which is 14 years old, to you know what it's like to be married, to work together, to travel together and also the severe loss. So if you don't know, Andy has lost both of his parents in the last three years, all at the same time that we were getting engaged, married, moving to New York. Um, And it has been a very difficult process of highs and lows simultaneously. And so this episode is really going to be broken into two parts. We're going to take you all the way back to 06 when we first met, and we're going to lead you all the way up until today, where we're still figuring it out and taking this not my best thing one day at a time. We laugh at ourselves, we make fun of each other, and I think that has made us successful both in our relationship and also in our professional lives. So again, this is going to be part one of a two-part episode. We'll finish it off next week. But if you like what you hear, please just tell someone you know about the Not My Best podcast. Share it on your social. I hope at the time that this podcast goes live, we will have our own Instagram handle at notmybestpodcast. But also don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast and let's grow this Not My Best Mindset community, one listener at a time. Before we start today's episode, I just want to tell you about this protein bar that I have been loving called Red. That's R-E-D-D. It is plant-based, low in sugar, full of adaptogens like turmeric and goji berries to help me be a little bit better throughout my day when I need to grab something but still want to feel good about what I'm putting into my body. So you can head to Red Bar, that's R-E-D-D-Bar.com, and use code NOTMYBEST for 15% off. Enjoy, check them out, and here is today's episode with my husband, Andy Stern. My guest on today's episode of Not My Best Podcast is one of my favorite people to talk to. Me! Yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Andy Stern is not only the director of talent at Rumble Boxing or a fitness trainer, he's also my husband. Beyond that, he is someone that I've grown up with since I am 15 years old, and this is an important conversation. I think because our relationship that has evolved immensely over the last 14 years, which is crazy to blink and say that 14 years have gone by, 
But this whole better not best mindset was really developed based on this relationship. I had this idea to create a podcast um, when I was on a train back from DC in May, which was over the course of 11 months that we were traveling with Rumble, living together, working together. We were super isolated from our family and our friends. Of course, we have our Rumble family and the people that we work with, but it was really all in all the time. And we were experiencing some major trauma on the home front Mm -hmm. and we were trying to balance work and traveling and developing our very new marriage because we're only going to be married three years in July. So I was on a train and I was like worried about my diet and you know, my workouts and it just, I couldn't balance everything. And I was like, I am not at my best right now. And neither were you. (laughs) I got to give you quick props because I think I've known you forever and I've known, I mean, collectively you and I've had ideas for over a decade to do things and like much most people, I want to try something. I want to do this. 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 Um, but you actually, you know, you you took this idea and you, you gone full force with it. So, congratulations. Thank really. you. I mean, even just now, we were like setting up and we wanted to record. We're on business with Rumble in San Francisco. We're living in this like Airbnb type place, and we wanted to record in our living room. And it's way too acoustic-y, although it's like more visually pleasing to like do the filming part. And we just spent the last 45 minutes moving furniture around and getting the microphone set up. We did it. We did it. And it probably still won't be perfect, but we're here. It's not our best. It's not our best. Amen to that. Thank you for getting on board with this podcast. I'm on board. (laughs) All aboard. So we are going to touch on everything today from how our relationship has evolved over the last 14 years to working together to the depression that we are both suffering in very different ways, which is not this like big reveal. I think if you have been through what we have been through over the past few years, it would be very um, unrealistic to not be depressed. Yes. Um, And we're trying to figure out our new normal one day at a time. And I want to have this conversation because we have been pretty public on Instagram for a very long time. And we've gotten messages, you know, listen, we're not famous. This is not JLo and A-Rod's status, nor do I think I ever want to be, literally. But we have gotten messages. I love following you guys. You guys are so real. You guys are so authentic. You're so funny. Um, And I think that in this world of Instagram, where like post a picture of your abs, post a picture of you smiling, post a picture of you running on the beach, it's entertaining and it's fun. But if we are not being authentic about it and if we are not being helpful, then we're being harmful because if you are just consuming all of these messages all the time and you're not hearing about what actually is happening and you know the backstory of you know what we've gone through or even how we got started with rumble it just looks like these unrealistic things that aren't achievable when everybody came from somewhere and everybody started in some way shape or form and we can all relate to each other so that's really why i want to have this conversation and also if i feel like i don't have something positive to share it's it's a little harder to share but that's life yeah and i think that was a big realization for me too i was like why am i not as active on instagram and i'm talking about like in october november december towards the fall when everything was really crashing down and i was like because i don't have makeup on today because i don't have my hair brushed because i'm not like going to do my abs at the gym and then i was like wait a minute if that's the only moments that i'm sharing then there's something wrong with that and like we need to readjust So it's going to be a long conversation. We're going to touch on a lot of different pieces. Since being married and being together for so long, what is one thing that I do that annoys the shit out of you? Oh. (laughs) Excuse you. You shed. I do shed. You shed like like 
like I have a, a lamb. lot of hair. Maybe it's like very a, thick maybe like and it gets a llama. everywhere. It's like a llama. I live with a llama. Can you stop? <laughs> Black haired llama. Just hair everywhere. Okay. I'm lucky I have this thick head of hair. You would be so lucky. I'm growing mine back out. No, like you're I not said. growing your back out. You are absolutely not. Start at the beginning. Sure. We met each other. It was 2006. Yeah, I was uh, a hot mess. You were for sure a hot mess. I would love to say that I molded you, and I guess I don't want to take all that credit, but I molded you. So you're um, welcome, world. <laughs> I think uh, I developed quite nicely as far as a, a human. I was. Uh-huh. I'm gonna try to grow my hair back out to 06. He sent status. me a picture of himself from like 07, one of the first years that we met. And stop playing with your hair. It's gonna get picked up by the microphone. We, it was like so long down his neck. Not attractive anyway. by any means. Anyway, he sends me this D. Uh, I was gonna say DM. DMs didn't even exist back then. No. Nope. He sent me an instant message. It was like some kind of holiday. It was a Monday that I had off from school. And it was like, when they're not on your buddy list, they send you an IM and like, you're like, this person wants to send you a message. So I'm like, who is this? And I press okay. And it, it said something like, so is this the Julia that I've been hearing about for so long? Now I, it took me a second to register and I knew who you were, but. Well, my screen name was WWE Fanatic 24. You say that like you've outgrown it, but they're still wrestling on our TV. Every day, nights a week, every night. So let's not like. I mean, I would that. still have the screen name today if I. Anyway, so I get this this IM and it's like, you know, is this the Julia that I've heard about? And I was like, how do I play this? So the sarcastic 15-year-old me responds and says, a line that I think is still the reason he is here till this day. I said, I'm sorry, who's this? And that line, it's hook, not, line, and sinker got, if, ladies, if you want to get somebody's attention, pretend that you don't know who they are. She because, knew exactly who I was. Okay, but you didn't think I did, and here you are, 14 years later, still trying to show me who you are. So yes, I guess so. Um, so we start talking, and we just have all of these conversations that I think, as a 15 year old and a 17 year old, I look back and I've read some of them, and they're just bizarre. But in my head at the time, I think we were we had a lot of the same shared morals, and I think that's what our foundation really began. I agree. Our families were similar. Um, we held a lot of the same things important. What was your first impression of me? When I met you or when I IM'd you? Both. Um, hmm, that's a hard question. There's adjectives. Say the right answer, so. Well, you know, you were sarcastic as you are now, <laughs> but um, you were you were definitely um, hungry. Wow, you, you were really, hungry. is that no. a loss for words here? Stop, you were very ambitious. I mean, I remember even you were 15 and you were, you know, coffee shops and dancing and teach or uh, you were in school. You were doing all the things as you always try to do. Um, and I wasn't too far behind. You know, I was drying cars and working at the rec center and playing baseball and yeah. um, all the things. So that ambition was something that I was very attracted to. And I, I agree. And I think that that's why we have been able to stay together for so long because we both value work and our goals and working hard and trying to achieve things at a very high standard. But it's also like funny as our relationship has gone on, how that on our priority list has dropped when you see things more important Mm -hmm. start to come into it. So we'll get into that. But it's just funny that we were teenagers, you know, when you are talking to people as teenagers, it's like none of that stuff matters. But we were these two like oddballs that really like cared about what you were doing. I remember seeing something in your bedroom like when you were younger and it was like work that you had done with Alex's lemonade stand. Yep. And I remember thinking to myself, which like 
what 15 year old thinks like this? I was like, wow, like he is so ambitious and he gives back and he really works hard and tries to help people. And that, that I was so attracted to that more so than the 150 pairs of Nike sneakers that you had in your bedroom. At and time. I was voted best dressed. And school. I thought that that was ridiculous. Your ego needed to be put in check like immediately. But there were two sides sure. of you. There was this gigantic ego and then there was this person who was very humble and hardworking. And I think that's what originally attracted me to you. So we meet each other as teenagers. How would you describe our relationship at that time? You weren't driving yet. You no. lived 40 minutes away and I had no sense of direction. So I lived in a town that had no sidewalks and it had no street lights. You didn't have police. And it was before the days of like, troopers. it was like flip phones and there wasn't Google Maps and you came and you didn't have a GPS in your car. Nope. You visited me, you drove home. Like, it took so it two like and a half night. hours to drive home. And he lived one town over. Well, that doesn't say much for me, but it, yes. Um, so it was a tough relationship starting off because I, you know, I was on the verge of going to college and I had never had a long-term relationship prior to you. The, so we met because I had gone to dance with a friend who was dating one of your friends at the time. And she said, I have this guy for you. Like, let's get set up. And we went on a date and she prefaced this whole setup with, yeah, he doesn't really date girls. It'll probably be like a one or two week thing. And I was like, yeah, mm. that's fine. Cool. And 14 years later, we are sitting. Yeah, no, chair. it's one, two weeks, 14 years. Same thing. Same kind of. Yeah. It wasn't a perfect relationship right off the bat. You were going to college. Yes, I was. 07, Facebook comes out. I'm sitting in your room and you go, let me friend request you. And you say. You hey. love this story and it's so not true. It was 11 months into dating me. What's your last name? So I confirm request to you? And no. I looked over and I said, I'm sorry, what? I was confirming spelling because it's, it was like 16 letters. And you don't know how to spell your girlfriend's last name. I have never won a single words with friends game. This is true. I cannot, I have a, I have a very strict. So like fast forward like, 14 years, he needs something to distract his brain. And clearly I'm, I'm playing words with like friends right nowadays. I think he's playing sponsor this words with friends. I don't think that anybody plays words with friends anymore, but he's not very good at it. Anyway, I, I figured out how to spell your name. Um, got Facebook off the ground. Social media starts to blow up. Text messaging is still like 10 cents a message. So you're not necessarily double texting as much, which is, which I wish we, we could go before, back. I wish we could go back yeah. to where it costs 10 cents a message because the amount of like double, triple, quadruple text that everybody sends now. So like annoying. My phone is constantly going off. I never, I don't want to say never. I didn't think about going to college with a girlfriend as I was honest. And I told you that, um, but then second semester started and I kind of like, yeah, I missed you. And I, I think it's honest to say, and, um, I missed what we had and, um, you know, we end up getting back together January of 2008. Um, and this is all being said so eloquently, but the reality of it was like text message conversations, like. I don't love you. I don't, I'm not looking for a girlfriend right now. And I was like, who yeah. does this guy think he is? Like, I am actually. I was always honest. Yeah, always honest. Not always the most polite no. at that time. You were. It was. It wasn't. But that's okay. You know, I think um, I didn't know how to be in a relationship like most people at seventeen. No, and I think that's so normal. And people are like, "Wow, you've been together for so long." And I'm like, "Yeah," but it wasn't like we got together, fell in love, and like developed this relationship. No, we it's not Corey, and Corey and Topanga. No, I don't think Corey and Topanga exist. So, you know, you go to college, you're back and forth. My parents are not thrilled. You're coming up to my house with a sports car at the time. Yeah. They were, were not fans by any means, which 
got super fun later when we got really serious and we thought we were going to spend the rest of our life together. But you won them over over time. Yeah. I think so. Hope so. Did I win yet? If you're listening. <laughs> um, but no, we had, yes, we had our ups and downs early on. I think uh, most young relationships do. I think the difference is, you know, is it is it something you're willing to continue to fight for or, um, you know, give up because it gets tough. Yeah. I mean, I got to the point too where now it's two years later because you're two years older than me. I got to my freshman year in college and we went to school in the same state. We didn't even go. We never went to school together. So we weren't in the same high school because we mm. lived a town over from each other. We didn't go to the same college on purpose. My mom was very clear about that. Do not follow a boy to school. And thank God I listened to her advice because even though we did stay together, I wouldn't have been happy if I had went to Mammoth, which is where you went. I wanted Mammoth. <laughs> I wanted a big D one school, and I danced on the dance team, and it was a good experience for me. But even when I got to college and we were in schools and that were in the same state, I was like, wait a minute, I'm not really sure if I want to be with you. Like, and I think it's normal to have that question. Sure. So what happened, at least for me, is I dated other people, and I would just start comparing, and I'd be like you're not Andy. You don't have the same morals as Andy. You don't have the same work ethic. You're just not the same human. Like I think at that point we were meant for each other. Right. Was there ever a time that you doubted if we were going to be together? Uh, I mean, of course, only based on like our 104 fights, like yeah. doubt is inevitable. Yeah. Um, and I think those fights too stemmed from growing up with each other. There were major changes from 17 to you know 22 and we didn't have the communication skills yes. to communicate. Communication's been our is our gigantic. And I think that one. that really transfers. Yes, we were dating as teenagers, but I think that if you find a person at 17 or you find a person at 29, you have to develop those skills of communication and if you don't have them, your relationship is screwed. I agree. You don't have and I think it's so important to understand how to talk to each other and more importantly understand how to listen to each other mm. because you are very different from me. Like yes, we are you know, a great match. We're best friends. We work together every day, but you are so different than me in so many ways. Like yeah. for example, the way that you just like process emotion, I'm very sensitive, hard on my sleeve. I can like start crying on the drop of a hat and you are very logical in like trying to solve a problem. Always. So I'll come to you and I'll be upset and I just want you to listen to me and you will give me a laundry list of things that I could do to solve that problem. And now I'm like throwing something at you because we just, Makes sense. We don't communicate in the same ways. And so I think during those times, we were just trying to figure out how to talk to each other and we didn't have it. Nope. And we were still trying to figure out. I think we still are figuring out how to communicate. I mean, it's a little never, bit better uh, every single day. Yeah. Not my best. Not my best. Not my best. So now we're in our early 20s and we're finally starting to figure shit out. Talk about what you were doing during that time. Uh, graduating with uh, my business marketing degree. And then that's where fitness came into play. It was um, 2010 in Monmouth University. Again, I took a class um, in the basement of a, of a school, one of the buildings, resident halls. And then that was my first group fitness class. And yeah. it was like this lady from Gold's Gym, lunatic of energy. And I was like, wow, that was like amazing. I felt great. And there was like five of us in the gym. So wait, I don't. I wasn't here for this, so I don't even know. It was in the basement of Cedar Hall. Um, we were headed into winter break, and I had met with Jim Pilar at the time, and said, "Listen, I could do that, um, and I would love to do it for free, and I'll create the whole plan and get all the residents involved, and like let's make this a thing for for spring 2011." 
So I did just that. Uh, I created something called Curriculum. Um, and 2011, I volunteered 10 times a week to teach this to students. And... So what is Curriculum? Because nobody on God's sure. Green Earth knows what it is anymore. And also, let me just say that it was a DVD that later became our wedding favors 10 years later because we had 900 of them stored in Andy's basement when well, he that's launched not, that's his not... idea and then it failed. You're, no, so, you're giving away the ending of the story. Tell them what Curriculum is. Curriculum was um, designed for the college student, 30-minute express workouts, body weight or resistance bands, um, along with what I call the, the cheat sheet, which was a nutrition plan for the college student, um, price point for the college student, the whole nine. It was, it was a way of marketing. freshman 15. Yes, it was marketed towards a college yeah. student. So I was teaching the program, a lot of body weight stuff, things you'd see on like Insanity. Um, and I was going to be staying at Monmouth University for my fifth year for my MBA. And that's when I met with Professor Buzza, who said, this is a great business, a business idea. Why don't you advise a class and we can take this program up? He had an entrepreneurship class. Let's take it from the ground up. Um, everything. Filming, marketing, legal, all of it. Build this company. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped. You know, like this is, this is so, so cool. This is, I'm going to have my own company um, at 22 years old, selling fitness DVDs. The plan was to go big schools, teach classes, which we got to, you know, yeah. UConn. Yeah, so this was the first time, ones. like for me, I was just graduating college. I was going to grad school for education. And I, again, I love fitness, which if you listen to the first episode of Not My Best, I talk about all of that transition, but my fitness experience was always on the side. So I was focusing on becoming a teacher and then I would like teach dance or teach fitness at night. So Andy was doing this and I was like, this is a great way for me to get involved. And we did a shoot like in a classroom mm -hmm. at Monmouth yep. with like all of these different workouts, like plyometrics and body weight. And like, you know, you did I did dance. a cardio dance one. I should find footage of that and post it to my Instagram. Lauren so did yoga. Funny. Lauren, if you're listening. Yeah. So there was just a bunch and we got them all together and put them on. There were nine courses, C-O-R-E-S-C-S. -E -S -S. Courses. That was my marketing degree. You're so big with play on work. I was a big play on work guy. But, Still, and it's so annoying, but anyway. Um, so we we launched, it took us a long time to get this thing to, to a final product. I think it was now March of 2013. Um, I'm done with my MBA. I'm living at home. My ambition is that this thing is gonna just be a hit. I'll get it on. Yeah, I met with everybody, you know, as seen on TV. I was meeting with some some just really big, important people that could help with distribution. Um, but the industry was obviously already evolving into more about group fitness, in-person experiences, and DVDs were on the uh, it was yeah, like it was the crazy. Right time. And it's so crazy because it took so much time to develop this product. And by the time it was developed and we were marketing it, it was already on its way to the next thing. It's yeah, you didn't. I didn't see the, the trend uh, maybe early enough. Um, but 2013 hits, and I'm selling the DVDs. You know, marginal profits, nothing crazy, and that's where I think this story really picks up because I was 23, 24 years old. You are now a teacher that's making a good salary with a bench or a pension and 401k and benefits. Um, and I continued to try to just make Hustle. the fitness world work for me and seven days a week, teaching classes, trying to push the DVD, come up with campaigns and 
fitness challenges and sell supplements and um you were literally working seven days a week yeah and with no real goal that was the that was the challenge because what's interesting at the time too is we were living in the suburbs of new jersey where this group fitness really still hasn't exploded so it didn't explode at the time and we had no idea of what the scene looks like in new york no idea none zero so it wasn't like this goal that we were like trying to get to the city and teach classes and rumble was not born yet so there was no expectation for any of it you just had a passion for fitness and wanted to work in that and hey, listen in hindsight i think everything's worked out right but in hindsight if i was to say what would you say to yourself i would say 2013 if you're going to push for the scene go to New York City right? or but go to Los Angeles. We didn't really know that it was there. And it wouldn't have worked no. out for us at the time. I was still just getting started. We had no money and we were trying to figure it out. And I needed the experience of the suburbs and got great at teaching group classes um, at the Monroe Rec Center, at Orange Theory, at Marlboro Retro, Robert Wood Johnson, New Brunswick. So all of these places gave me this skill set to program and to ultimately learn how to connect mm-hmm. with you know, clients. Yeah. And there were so much, it was just like a lot of multiple pieces coming together at all times. We were doing events. We drove down to Yukon on a Friday night to do a big event. I taught and then drove home and then drove home in the same night from New Jersey to Connecticut and back. We did an event at Rutgers. We did an event at mom. Like we were working with all of these different colleges. Mm-hmm. We both worked at Robert Wood Johnson in New Brunswick because I was still mm-hmm. at Rutgers at the time. And so he got a group fitness job there. I then became a Zumba and an Aqua Zumba instructor there, which is... I mean, wait, that job alone, for anyone that's like, how do you apply for a fitness job? I wore a suit with a resume and I remember I sat down with Christian and she goes, you've never really taught group fitness besides your program. I said, no, actually, I've never actually been in a gym before. Like, never. It's my first gym that I've been in. Um, so it's it's definitely like you always dress for the job that you want. Mm-hmm. I wanted her job at the time. Yeah. You know, she was group fitness manager and running all the classes and the programming. So I wore a suit, you know, I have an MBA. I'm like, I can do this. Yeah. And I think we we both just really at that time hit every gym in the area from there. So that was the first one. And I don't want to call out any gyms on the spot. And I don't actually even remember which one it was. So you don't say it either. But it was offering like $8 per class. Oh yeah, the gym it's closed. Yeah. So but oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Eight dollars per class before taxes. So and I remember taking it and be like, all right, cool. And like if you get above a certain number of people, it was fifteen dollars. And I was like, great. But I, I think about that now and I'm like, how did we say yes to that? I don't know. For an hour of your time. We were in incredible shape because you were teaching kickboxing classes and doing the entire shredded. workout with them. You had like ab Right ab now, season. listen, if you're listening, go on collegeworkout.com right now. And see how shredded I was. My website is still live. Which set up very unrealistic expectations for us for the rest of time because you can't keep that. That's still my goal. But yeah, yeah, I could not live that. It was not. No, it's not livable. No, it was unhealthy. It was very unhealthy. So, all right. So you start working for Orange Theory. Orange Theory 2015. um, Super excited. I remember that audition process. A big shout out to Cliff. And like that whole thing was just... It was hard, you know, amazing trainers and they were just cutting people left and right because they had a such a high standard. Um, and I quickly kind of took over. And, and Before long, you were head trainer. But what that trainer. meant that you were teaching like 
18 classes a, lot. a week. A lot. Every weekend, Saturday and Sunday. You would wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, your alarm would go off. Taught 5 a.m. over. Because they do back-to-backs there. Like at Rumble right now, we don't really teach back-to-back classes. But mm-hmm. at Orange Theory, you were going back-to-back-to-back-to-back all day long. Some some days I did nine classes straight through. Crazy. Was, um, I also, at that time, which I really think I'll fall back on eventually, is I was a substitute teacher. You know, I was on a long-term replacement for one of the business teachers at, at the Monroe Township High School. Um, so I was sub-teaching four times a week. In and- addition to teaching all those classes. And we were in such a weird space because I actually went back. True story, if you go into your Facebook messages and you scroll all the way up, they're there from the beginning of time. So if you ever have an old conversation that you mm. want to read. So the other night we were sitting here and I scrolled all the way back up to like 2013 and the conversations we were having was like, I was like, I just want to get out of this classroom. Like, I'm not sure what I want to do with my life, but I want to be able to work a job that I'm really passionate about. And I want to be able to set my own hours and I want to be able to help people. And now here we are, but we I remember manifesting it, but we didn't realize. I was always like the grass is always greener you're to you saying yeah. like yo i would crush for a salary for benefits for stability like what i was doing was trying to make ends meet and often feeling like i was failing yeah so we were at a time where you were doing what you love and i wanted to be doing what you were doing but you were substitute teaching being like you don't have it so bad so we were clashing yes we were clashing and it eventually got into a point you know you get pressure from both sides of parents too like your dad was telling you to find a job with mm-hmm. stability my parents were like you're gonna marry this guy he's like where does this lead to like he's working his ass off he's making a lot of money but he's this isn't sustainable right so wh- how are we going to do this and it eventually got to the point i want to say 2015 or even early 2016. 2016. And you were like, I need stability. I'm going to go back to school. That's it. I almost was a doctor. He loves to say that he almost was a doctor. I almost was a doctor. Let me just clear it up. He wanted to be a doctor of physical therapy. He didn't have the undergrad to apply. Almost. Do not interrupt me. Was a doctor. (laughs) He took two prerequisites to become three. Okay, I'm sorry. He took three prerequisites to become a physical therapist and was struggling, insanely struggling. Like he was with all these very intelligent people, and he would have. They were kids, and they were 18, and they were coming right out of high school with the knowledge of it. And I was Billy Madison, and I'm like this. You know, 27 year old kid just raising his hand, bio 101, not understanding how to use the microscope. Um, and I was like, very stressed. He was very stressed. He passed in order to make those prerequisites count. And thank God Rumble came in and saved the damn day because you- I, that was tough. That was, I was teach. I never let up on my workload. So you, know, you were and that working was, a ton. That was a big, big thing for me. I it was wanted a lot. to make It was a sure. very stressful time. And I think that God gives you what you need. And you figure it out from there. So let's fast forward a little bit. Rumble comes in. Um, you were introduced by a friend. Well, friend. no. Let's go April of 2016. That's when um, I am in PT school. And I am working my ass off. And I do have a ring that's burning in my pocket. Because we, I am planning... Um, an engagement, which by the way, I was originally going to propose uh, at Rockefeller Center. I was as far as the credit card information was on the website for us to be I would have said no, roller so. skate, roller, whatever, ice skating yeah. um, during Christmas. And then big shout out to my brother, Bobby, because I called him and he goes, Andy, you don't know how to ice skate. You should probably pick something else. Like, and that is just you in a nutshell. Very smart, very intelligent, very good at what you do. 
I love Christmas though. It was like a it's like a big thing. I've gone ice skating with you and you look like a deer like when you go out onto the ice and your legs just like roll out. (laughs) That is what you look like ice skating. So if you tried to propose under those conditions, I don't know. But anyway, listen, anyone that has proposed understands how difficult that ring just burns into your body after you have it. So now I've had it from November and I canceled this, you know, idea of roller skating, ice skating. And I'm trying to rack my brain on how to figure out how to propose cue in fitness. We were both. So fitness was always like a love for us. We both, it was something that we shared. I think ambition and fitness were the two things that have kept us together for so many years. I agree. Um, So we planned this hike where we were going to do, you know, fitness things on the hike and we were going to film it and it was going to be great for the, you know, curriculum website. Wait, this sounds like a good time to talk about. We started our own Instagram Right around the same time. Brand. The fitness page. So we didn't know. The only thing we knew of fitness and Instagram were these like bodybuilder, like BCAA drinking, like follow my gym workout routine at the time. And like we follow them because we were into fitness. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because I could never be one of those people now. Nope. Um, and it, the fitness industry has changed so much with Instagram. But at the time, that's what it was. So we created this thing called the fitness pair, which was, cause I had to be private for my own Instagram because I was still working with kids. So I couldn't be public. And, and we, I had a thousand followers. So you latched onto my big following. Okay. Who has more followers now? Are we but really going to get into this argument? You latched on. I, I latched on. That was my curriculum page. Anyway. You renamed it the did. fitness we pair. We renamed the curriculum you. page the fitness pair. <laughs> so we wanted to work together. I was desperate to work in fitness. And it's, it's funny now because I, think we work well together working in the same company, I would never want to work with you directly. So I would not want to launch a podcast with you. I would not want to create this brand for ourselves. I just wouldn't. Like, I think our marriage is much more important. That's nice of you. No, can you agree? Even sitting down to have this conversation, we have so many differences when we sit down. It's like, oh my God, yes. we are such good friends. We're best friends. We laugh together all day long. But when it comes to like getting things done, we just have such different ways different. of doing them mm-hmm. that it's like, it's really like banging your head against the wall. But anyway, I didn't know that at the time and we were figuring that out. So we launched this Instagram. We would like go to parks and my sister would like record us and then we would post the workouts. They're still there. If you scroll, they're there. Some of them are still there. All the way back down. So curriculum became the fitness pair became at Andrew D. Stern, our Instagram. So if you scroll all the way back, you can see the evolution of this entire story. So it's April 2016. um, PT school, Orange Theory, fitness pair, curriculum, substitute teaching. Got a lot on the plate and a ring in my pocket. And we plan out the whole hike. We're going to hike. I forget the name. Mount? I don't know either. Mm. It's so crazy. Our life has changed so much because I look at it like before wedding, after wedding and after wedding is everything that has happened with Rumble. And I feel like those three years are so long ago that I don't remember the name of my photographer from the wedding. I don't remember the like, like all of those little like wedding planning details. Oh, you're right. Julian was his name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? Like all of those details that were so important to me at that time, I don't even remember them anymore because we have been through so much since then. Someone with a T, Mount. Anyway. I don't know. It's in North Jersey. Uh, so we did the hike. We did the proposal. We had a beautiful ser- like whole set. We get to the top of the mountain. At this point, I kind of knew that he was going to do it. If you haven't seen this video, this is on my IGTV. I'll put it up again. 
Man, it's good. It, it's I did good. I did good. It's good. He had a drone. You did well. I did well. I did good. Um, he had a drone. I was doing squats. He got down on one knee. I definitely knew it was happening, but then I turned around and he actually was there with a the ring. I started balling. I almost fell off the cliff. It was a fun time for all. Came down. We had a limo at the end of the mountain. Yeah, we did. Our we families, families were there. Families were at oh the dinner. Yeah. Um, great time. So that was May 22nd-ish. And it's just, and we're going to get into this, but it's heartbreaking because that celebration with both of our families was the last time. Yes. That everybody was together. Yes. It sucks. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a great party, great time to celebrate, and short-lived. Um, that kind of led us into July, and we were filling out engagement invitations um, when we got the phone call. So. And so this is where life really changed for us. And as fun as our relationship was, we were engaged. We understood each other. We understood how to communicate with each other a little bit more. Um, we were figuring out what we were doing for our career. We were engaged. Everything was happy, which leads us into July. So May, June, July, two months have gone by. And we were filling out, I remember, um, engagement invitations. And my parents were in Atlantic City celebrating their 50th anniversary. We were, me and you, at my parents' house, eating pizza, drinking wine. And, like, stuffing invitations. Yeah. I remember, like, so vividly. It's so stupid how, like, you have these flashbulb memories. But, you know, there's an episode of Friends where Ross and Rachel are, like, stuffing the invitations of... Uh, Monica and Chandler's wedding and Rachel like pretends to like spill yes wine you kept it. doing that I was, it was like, so annoying and, like moving the wine glass back and forth and we were laughing and having a good time and filling out addresses yeah. for the engagement invitations and then we went to sleep and then around 11 30 ish the phone rang and uh I mean I know every detail of that I don't need to go into details but it was just um an, an un settling feeling of a phone call knowing that things were not good um like it i said they were aunt. aunt janet yeah and like they, they called um just screaming and we I, I remember not even reacting and just getting dressed and jumping in the truck and um atlantic city is about an hour and a half two hours from us and i remember opening the garage and the ambulance was at my house remember that because yeah. someone had called thinking that dad was at the house when this happened so kind of just yelled at the paramedics and and we just flew down to um atlantic city um and you actually had known sooner so before that we were living in the suburbs again so it wasn't like now we had a car and you had a car to jump into um and he starts driving and i was actually very proud of the way that he handled it because he was very level-headed and he still knew that we had a two-hour drive ahead of us and I mean, by this time it was like after midnight. So now we're, it's the middle of the night and we're trying to get down there. And his mom was the only person that was in Atlantic city because his dad was in the hospital and we're driving in the car and his mom kept calling Andy's cell phone and it would go through the Bluetooth on the car. And so she would call and she would obviously be crying, but she would be saying they're running tests. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if he's okay. I just need to like, whatever. And it, the calls were coming, I feel like, every 10 minutes. 
And so finally, like she was getting more upset with every time she called. And so I had Andy's phone in my hand and I disconnected the phone from the Bluetooth because I said, if she continues to call upset, the more upset she is, the more upset Andy's going to get. And he's behind the wheel of a car. And the most important thing is that we need to get there. So the first thing that I did was shut off the Bluetooth. And then she called again and Andy hadn't realized that I shut off the Bluetooth. So I answered the phone and it was in my ear and she was screaming in my ear because she had realized that he had passed and I panicked and I didn't know what to do. And I immediately hung up and I hung up and I turned the phone off and Andy was like, is he okay? And I was like, they're, they're still in shore and just drive and get there. And I think that we still had another 45 minutes and it wasn't until we got to the hospital um, that you had found out because I couldn't tell you. And I yeah. think that that- I walked in and I remember asking and I was just like, I think the, the, the world kind of can relate with this shock of Kobe and the rest of the, you know, the passengers where everyone just shakes their head and they're like, he was just here. Like he just tweeted that he just called me. And it's like shock loss is undescribably different than any other loss because there's no, you can't process. It doesn't seem, I mean, we, we obviously watch movies and people die all the time and it's like, it's you're, you're numb to that. But when it's real and you're like, that person's gone in a moment. Yeah. Um, so shock for that was like, I mean, it's still heavy. It's still, it's still not. So he had suffered from a widowmaker heart attack where he was here and gone within minutes and there's nothing that anybody could have done by the time the EMTs got to the hotel room, he was just gone. And I think that this is so important to talk about because we're not doing it for sympathy. We're not doing it for attention. We're not doing it, you know, we're doing it to share a story. And I think that everything is relatable. And I think you see what's going on in the world with Kobe Mm -hmm. and with the Altabelli family where now there are two little children in the world who just lost both of their parents and one of their siblings in an instant and now have to go on. And all of this was happening and this was just the tip of the iceberg for us, but the world keeps turning and the world keeps moving and you keep posting things to Instagram and this is what I'm doing with my day. And you know, you're expected to just go back to normal after that and it's not normal. And we need to keep having these conversations over and over and over again about our experiences and sharing our experiences with each other and relating to each other. Because the second that we stop doing that, we have a very artificial world. And so that's why we're here. And that was July of 2016. And I think we're going to pick up this episode next week and do this in a two-parter because it's a lot to talk about right now. Sounds great. That was a lot. In the meantime... People can find you at Andrew G. Stern. Andrew G. Stern. On Instagram. You can find me on all social channels at Julia L. Stern. In the meantime, stop trying to live your best life and start actually living a better one. This is not my best podcast. Please rate, tell someone you know about this podcast, share it with a friend, and let's grow this Better Not Best community. I will see you next Tuesday.